As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another podcast. I don't even know what episode this is. Maybe episode 8, maybe episode something else. I have no idea. However, how are we all doing? It's nice to be on here again. I'm actually cutting this one a bit late tonight. Um, if you're listening to this as of the, the Sunday night or Saturday night into Sunday morning, I'm actually recording this at 8 o'clock on the Saturday night. So yeah, I've left this one a bit late. However, it wasn't my fault. My original podcast plans fell through, so I've now had to do a last minute one. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a bit of a different one again. But today we are going to be doing a question and answer based off of questions that I got from you guys over the space of today, be that anonymously or over my Instagram uh, poll question thing. So yeah, I'm just going to be asking some some questions that you guys sent in. And I've just got to say thank you to all of you who did it on such a last minute um, occurrence because I did only put it up at like 12 o'clock this morning. So you've had like seven and a half hours and I've had like way over 50, 60 questions. So yeah, thank you so much for that. But yeah, if you enjoy the podcast today, make sure you go and like it. Well, if you can like it slash rate it slash share it slash whatever you can to give a give a bit of help. But uh, yeah, it's all goes appreciated. And if you do want to support the podcast anymore, I do have a donations page and the link will be in the bio. Without further ado, let's get right into it. So I'm not going to waste any time today. I'm just going to jump straight into the questions. The first one, well, actually, the first ones, I'm going to do it, the anonymous ones first, and then le- uh, last I'm going to be doing the the ones that people actually asked with their name behind it. So, yeah, question numero uno. Um, what's your motto slash mantra? I don't know what a mantra is. I can't lie. I'm guessing it's the same thing as a motto, but I don't really have a motto as such. Like, I don't say, hi, I'm John Howes, and then, like, have a motto <laughs> underneath my name, but... I guess one that I've heard a lot and I think is like quite important is network is your net worth. Um, that one basically means like the people that you know is what you're worth because at the end of the day, knowing people is way more valuable than owning certain things and being able to find knowledge where you might need it is like a really important thing. So I don't think that I have a motto or mantra, but that's one that I really like. And if there was one to do with telling people to just get up and go out and do mad things and just like explore and travel it'd be that but I guess you could just say my motto is you're gonna die to be fair because that's kind of what this this podcast is all about isn't it really um but yeah I don't think I have many like weird mottos or mantras so that's pretty much it uh so thank you for whoever whoever asked that question what's the next question do you think you'd create a behind the photo type idea like Usama um 
yes, I actually do think I will do that. And I have done that because if you'd go on my Instagram, you might find, or my TikTok even, you might find like little 20, 30 seconds clips of me going out with my camera and like I film a little bit behind the scenes and show how I get those photos. But in terms of creating content, there's like more video and stuff. I will be doing that in the future. I'm actually going to be putting a bit of a push on my YouTube channel soon. So yeah, I will definitely be doing that soon and definitely be putting out actual uh, video content on it as well. And it's funny that you mentioned that actually because... I actually put out a behind the photo little two minute video today. So if you want to go check that out, my Instagram is at underscore. That's H-O-W-E-S-Y dot underscore on Instagram. And you may as well go check out my other social media as well while you're there. Right. Next question is, have you ever smoked weed? And the blunt answer to that is no, I have never. Um, essentially, my mindset towards that is, I've always been quite active, quite like physically fit. I've always been into like competition running and bits like that. So smoking in general, not even just weed, is pretty off limits to me. Like I've never I've never tried any of that sort of thing. Like my, my lungs are kind of my temple. So yeah, nothing it's nothing against people who don't. And I've actually got quite a lot of friends who actually do smoke and whatnot, but unfortunately well, not unfortunately, fortunately that's not not really what I'm up to. It's not what I'm about. But yeah, I don't smoke weed. Um, have you ever broken a bone? I have, and they're actually quite, quite joke stories. Actually, funnily enough, I've never actually broke a bone like doing any of the things that you'd probably think that I'd break a bone doing. Um, so the bones I have broken, I've broken my collarbone twice, and I've broken my wrist, and I've broken. I think I broke a finger, but like I didn't go to the hospital for it. Anyways, I'll talk for him. So collarbone breakage. I don't know if any of you have done that before. It's not the best feeling in the world. However. Um, the first time I broke my collarbone, I was <laughs> I was about maybe like t- 10, 11. And I had this friend called Jordan Basket. He was like a close friend of mine back in the day. He used to live where I used to live. Um, he was like a good, good friend of mine. We also like used to hang out with his sister and stuff as well. And we were down at our like local field. Like, you know about that local field everyone has where like fuckery would just take place. Um, yeah, we used to play this thing called like fight football and we used to like basically like I don't know if you used to play but it was like no rules football so you'd run around with the ball and then everyone would chase the person with the ball and there's kind of no rules as to how you get the ball like you can throw them the ground like you can chuck them about basically anything you want and this Jordan basket kid is a lot a lot larger than I was like he was like rugby player build and I was like Bilbo Baggins build so like I had the ball and this kid ran at me so fast and just knocked me off my feet, slammed into the ground, collarbone snapped, straight to the hospital in a sling for the next six weeks. Second time I did it, funnily enough, it wasn't even urbex related again. I was actually out training with my uh, childhood friends, like my parkour childhood friends. And I saw a video on Facebook that day where someone basically put their knees inside their t-shirt and like was like jumping around like a little, like, I just looked like a little chicken nugget. And I thought it'd be a great idea to do that and then run up a slanted wall. And basically, as I did it, I slipped on my foot, fell, slammed face and collarbone into the corner of the wall, straight snapped. I didn't even think it was broken at first, right? So I put my hands in the air, worst thing you can do. And my collarbone like dropped and like, oh, mate, it was the most painful thing in the world. Uh, My third broken bone was my wrist. And actually... By complete coincidence, Jordan Basket, you little bastard, it was him who did it again. He was uh, swinging me round on this thing in the park. You, I don't know if you guys have them, but you hold on to it. Uh, and like you basically push yourself and you swing round at like, you're just above like hanging height. So you're kind of just swing around like that. And he thought it'd be a good idea to like 
turbo spin me on that thing. And then, yeah, I just flew off midair, landed on my wrist, snapped clean in like half. And there was like another little break further up. So, yeah, fuck you because you did it to me twice. Um, that's two fingers of mine. You Two fingers, two bones of mine that you own. Might. <laughs> but, yeah, that weren't great. But they're like the main ones I've done. I've like damaged fingers slash broken fingers, but nothing near as bad as that. Right. Do you plan to go to uni soon since you did well at school or do you prefer just being a photographer? By the way, your pics are brilliant. Keep it up. Um, this is anonymous again, but thank you so much for whoever said that. Uh, and the answer to that is no, I do not plan on going to uni. I actually was in like a big debate in school whether or not I wanted to or not, because at the time I didn't even know that I wanted to become a photographer. I actually thought I wanted to do something else. But that's actually another question later on. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't go to uni because... I think that uni is something that is used a lot of the time to mature people. Like It doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go into the job of the course that you're doing, which is my personal opinion. And I think university is something that just is used as an experience. Um, not obviously, like not all the time. And like majority of people go because they want to eventually go into something in the future surrounding that course. Um, but I kind of thought I don't really want to do anything with an actual degree. Like there's no job that I want to do that requires a degree. So why would I need to waste nine grand on maturing when, to be honest, I think I was already like mature enough to not have to go to uni to experience that. And at that time, I realized that like I wanted to do more with my life than just like go to uni and, and go the normal route that most people did. So um, no, I don't plan on going to uni. And it was a hard decision. And I I did think about it at first, but it just become a little bit, a little bit too much. I just thought, you know what? Nah, I'm going to go live my life instead. And one thing as well with uni, which I've noticed is people go into uni with like a passion for a subject and like 80% of the people I know come out of uni saying that they hate the subject they did and there's nothing they want to go into. And I think that's really common because it's, it's like you're being told what to do all the time. Like uni isn't a great experience sometimes when all the workload's so hard in some cases. And I just think that being forced to do something really takes the passion away from it. So personally, no, is the pretty much bottom line to that. Um, my favourite memory of sixth form, and this one does have a name actually, they put it on the anonymous thing, and this is Joe Jarvis, my friend from school. And mate, I sat here laughing for like 10 minutes when that question got asked, because it just sort of like reminded me of my school days. And if any of you are listening, went to the Howard School in Raynham, Kent, um, you'll know exactly what the atmosphere of the Howard School is like. Like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a joke to be fair, like it's a bit of a fuckery, but to be honest, like I have hundreds of experiences like from sixth form I could probably tell but in terms of Joe asking the question I'm I'm just going to talk about the ones that I had with him because <laughs> honestly he's probably one of the funniest kids I've met right so one of my favorite experiences with Joe was in our class <laughs> we had a teacher called Mr Loftus and Mr Loftus used to get bullied like this guy used to get bullied like he was a little bit moody, like pretty much all the time. Like he was kind of always doing a bit of a mild one. Like he was always a bit, a bit grumpy. And because of that, people used to like to wind him up because my school was pretty rough. And Joe in particular was one of these wind up kids who used to just love to annoy people. And we used to make it our duty to wind up Mr. Loftus. I can just give you one example now. Um, we used to do our lesson in this school, uh, school room called the library. It wasn't it was like hot it was like quarter library mainly computer room but we used to go in there and the window used to always be open but the door used to be locked and the idea was to wait for Mr Loftus to come and open the lock for us and then let us in but we used to climb through the window 
<laughs> me and Joe used to climb through the window and go into the classroom. And one time there was like a crash mat in there. And Joe just runs through the wind, like climbs through the window, runs, does a flip onto this mat. And then we get, we open the door for everyone and let everyone in. And then like lock the door behind us. And Mr. Loftus comes in the door and was like looking around, like, where are my students? They're, like banging on the window, like trying to get in. He ended up walking off, getting the key. And then like by the time he'd come back to the class, we had all sat down at our computers and was working. So he come into the classroom and was just like, where have you all been? And we've just like sat there and was all looking at like, we've, we've been here the whole time. Like what gaslighting him about it. And he just got so fuming. But just like lessons like that, we used to like take pictures of him where he weren't looking and like just wind him up. Like always used to like shout stuff in his class and basically just cause havoc. But there's one other thing I wanted to say as well. So... <laughs> So we went to a university to do this like um, research project because I did I did a uh, sports science. Well, one of my subjects was like uh, sports science sixth form. And um, we went to this university, which was well known for the research. And Joe, <laughs> Joe used to love one that Mr. Loftus so much to a point where we was in class and like Mr. Loftus was like low key showing off in front of like the pretty teacher who was like supervising us. And he was like asking about different research groups. And I, I said out loud, like I was like, oh yeah like what's like the age limit on doing testing i don't think sir can take part because like we was basically just calling him old but like at the time it was just jokes and, and the woman laughed and he got really salty about it and sent me out but like they were on like the top floor <laughs> corner room with like all glass windows and like he sent me out of the class so i went downstairs to the bottom walked out but joe like looked out the window down at me through, uh, from the outside and he turned around and turned his chair around and he started like swearing like putting his middle fingers up outside the window like proper mocking it and I just saw Mr. Loftus walk up behind him and was just staring over his head as Joe didn't even notice he was there. And he was like swearing at me through the window and then I just see him turn around, jump, and then Mr. Loftus just points to the door. And then like 30 seconds later, Joe comes out. And then like a little while after that, Mr. Loftus come out and like nearly squared up to Joe. And Joe was like, what, what? I was like beefing him. Well, mate, sixth form was actually a joke. I would love to do a podcast on sixth form and school, like, jokes times, to be honest. Like, if you guys would be interested in that, just let me know, because I've probably got so many funny experiences and guests I could come on surrounding my sixth form life. But yeah, honestly, that was some of the best years of my life, to be honest. I'd love to go back and be able to do it all again. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Right. Who is your favourite up-and-coming Urbexer? I think this is quite easy for me, actually. And I wouldn't say he's even up and coming anymore. He's kind of in the scene now. Um, and it's not even just for Urbex, but I think he's just a talented photographer in general. And I think he's he's like 16 years old. And I think he's just going to, if as long as he goes in the right path, I think that he's going to be doing pretty well. And, and the kid's name is Adam Sanya, Sanzia, Sanzania. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm actually a close friend of him. I'm, you know what? I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him, see if he can come on. I'm going to tell him that I think he's a sick guy. Hold on. Right, hopefully he picks up in, in one answer. Right. Pick up and wait. No, Adam. Okay, well, if he ends up picking up by the end of the podcast, I'll have him on. Okay, well, yeah, Adam, I think he's a talented photographer. I think he's going to go quite far as long as he keeps going the same way that he is and keeps working hard and keeps putting in effort into his content. Big up yourself, Adam. Go smash it, bro. All right, moving on then, I guess. Um, where do I see myself in five years' time? That's a really good question, actually. And the overall answer to that is I don't know. I don't set goals five years in advance. However, I do have a few things I would be interested in. 
So I say it would be interesting, will be doing. So my goal within five years, just off the top of my head, would be owning my own company or companies. Uh, that's a big goal I've been looking to get towards in a while, uh, for a while now. And I'm currently setting up like the um, preliminaries or due diligence so I can actually get that done in the future. So obviously networking and all that stuff. But yeah, I definitely want to own a few companies. Um, owning my first property, I'd love to own my first property within it within five years of now. I don't think it's not going to happen. Like within five years, you can get a lot of money, but I want to own my first property by then. Um, by then also, I want to be having a passive income or multiple streams of passive income to allow myself to then go and travel because ultimately one of my lifetime goals is to be able to travel the world like in basically every country I can. So passive income would be really important for that. So essentially, that's like the bottom line for all of my five year goals. Where's next on the travel list is the next question. I have a few on the travel list. I want to go back to Spain because I've only been to like three Spanish places and I want to go to more because there's such a diverse range of things that you can do in Spain and things you can see. So I want to go back to Spain. I'm also learning Spanish at the minute. So I'd like to go back and be able to use my newfound knowledge to talk to people and, and kind of I'd love to live there for a little while. I can't lie. Croatia is on the list. I really want to go to Croatia. I've seen a few people go in there and I've actually come up with a few plans with a few of my friends to go climb some stuff there. So Croatia is on the list as well. Uh, Thailand and just Southeast Asia in general. I would love to go to those like ASAP because it's just the next step on my journey. I've done a fair amount of Europe. Like that's kind of the next push outwards. And I think the culture there is amazing and the things you can do and it's so cheap. So yeah, those are my travel list uh, ideas for the next couple of years. But if I can get everywhere and more, I'd like it. Of course. Uh, what's the worst place you've slept whilst travelling? That is such a good question. I've actually got a few places that I've kind of like slept whilst travelling in general or even in the UK. And these are amongst like the couple of the funniest ones. So the the place that I was like kind of the most disappointed in was a playground. Like one time when I was first getting into hammocking, like I had no idea where I could sleep. It was actually in London. It was in a really rough part of London as well. It was like, I think it's called White White Chapel or something like that. White Chapel? Yeah, I think so. Or White City or something like that. Um, I can't even remember. It's like quite out of the way. But yeah, so I was hammocking in a, in a playground there and it was just cold and there was just roadmen about everywhere and it was just rough and I had the peak as night's sleep. But that wasn't really traveling, uh, to be fair. While I was traveling in Scotland, I ended up getting kicked out of all of the sleep spots that I wanted to sleep in and ended up sleeping on some concrete, like, like, what's the word? Like a, a foyer of a building, like the front entrance. And we just, me and a few of my friends, like um, Harry Davies and Trickstar Owen and a couple of other people basically uh, hammocked up there and ended up sleeping there. And it was just rough. Like it was cold. It was rainy. It was like pretty much like in the worst place in Scotland. Yeah, it weren't great. Um, but the most uncomfortable slash dirty place I've slept is definitely on like <laughs> the floor of a block, like a like a council block. I literally slept on the floor of it. And I talked about it in my last podcast episode. So if you're interested in that story, go and listen to the podcast just before this with Charlie. But yeah, they're like probably amongst some of the worst, to be fair, um, for sure. Uh, the next question is, have I ever been detained? If so, for how long? And the answer to that is sort of I've never I don't think I've ever really been like officially officially detained I guess one time 
Um, I was climbing a roof with Charlie and I think I also mentioned that on my last podcast. So yeah, go listen to that again. But I got detained uh, by two female police officers uh, for climbing a roof and basically they gave us like banning orders for the city of London. But um, yeah, it wasn't a great one. I was detained for like maybe like an hour then and then they had to take us to the police station because Charlie was under 18 and he had to get someone um, like a legal guardian to come out and sign the like the release form for him thing so yeah that was not great whatsoever but that was probably the longest i've ever been detained luckily enough i've avoided most police situations like that um i've never really been in serious trouble with the police uh, i've never been arrested and i've never been like officially detained and searched either which is quite good i've been searched like less professionally but that's just for like proving points and stuff but yeah no i haven't really been detained that much oh this next question is a good one this whoever asked this pop up because this is a sick question and the question is would you give up your podcast for £20,000? No, I fucking would not, right? And the main reason for this, right, is this podcast was created not only to entertain people. However, this podcast was created to have an online storage of my memories, right? And this is because I kind of started realising that I'm forgetting things I've done and forgetting experiences I've had. And I just don't want that. And I want to be able to look back at something when I'm older and be like, wow, you really got up to some mad shit. But the best way to do that is to come out of my mouth. And instead of making videos of it and then being like less easy to store. And I thought a podcast, it's it's like in fashion to do podcasts. Like I can get guests on, we can talk about it. And I just thought it was a good idea to, to store my memory. So no, I would not take that whatsoever. And if my intentions go right, maybe I could eventually earn 20 grand from this podcast if I get a sponsor. If you're a sponsor, come sponsor me, please. I need a sponsor ASAP, to be honest. I'd love a sponsor for this podcast. So if you know anyone who's willing to sponsor me, get in touch with them. Thank you very much. I feel like I'm talking really fast today. I kind of like getting through questions, but like, I'm talking so fast. This is actually like how I speak normally, but I try and slow myself down on these podcasts because otherwise I'd drive you all insane. So if I do talk too fast, put your little podcast on like 0.75% to slow it down. But I'm sure most of you wouldn't mind anyway. Right, next question, future climbing goals. And I'm going to be real with you, I don't have many because I don't intend to be climbing for a long period of time. I intend to stay in the urbex scene for as long as I possibly can. And obviously, like, I don't want to give that up. However, climbing isn't really my priority anymore. Earning money in the future is is a big priority for me at the minute. So... Now, I haven't really set many goals. Climbing for me nowadays isn't really something I do to like try and get an income from. It's actually just for enjoyment purposes. I actually do all of that, the photography stuff as my as my income. But like climbing is is solely for entertainment. So I don't really have any big goals because I don't really want to like put pressure on being able to do like crazy things. But I guess just keep going as long as I can is, is kind of the climbing goal, to be honest. I don't want to make that sound really morbid and people are like, Oh, like you're gonna you're gonna drop off and not be the same Jordan as you used to be, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles, mate. You move on, and things change, and eventually climbing's gonna become so hard anyway because of increased uh, technology and and security devices and stuff. So one day it all will be locked off anyway. So yeah, just keep going. Basically, I'm just gonna keep trying to do my thing for as long as I can. But that's that's the general answer to that question. Uh, next question: If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, what job would I pursue? And for the oh, loud barking man you're hearing that upset upset about that one right i'll be right back i'm gonna go attempt to shush teddy mate thank you sharp calm perfect 
enough of it. Dog whisperer. Right. Headphones on. Right, I'm back. Hello, how's it going? That dog will actually be the death of my podcast because people just get fed up with him woofing in the background. Let me know if you guys have dogs like that because mine are just love to bark at any single little thing that moves. Uh, but yeah, to continue with that question, I actually... I actually wanted to do something and I was passionate about something before I even got into photography and it was joining the RAF as a fast jet pilot. Um, Not many people actually know that about me, but until 2016, I actually really wanted to just be a fast jet pilot, probably 2017 actually, because I kind of wanted to start doing it when I was like 16, 17. Um, But yeah, to be honest, the reason I haven't gone that way and I was going to join, when I was like turning 17, I was actually writing an application to to join the RAF, but I kind of realised that I don't think that working for someone else full-time is what I want to do and I've also thought that it's going to be a job that I'm going to be stuck in for a long time and dedicate my whole life to when I could try other routes first and try more entrepreneurial things um, and try and earn a lot of money and get rich and I don't think that you can get rich through being in the RF so I kind of made the conscious decision to actually try and earn money by myself and instead of working for someone else own companies and to be honest if all like works out i might end up joining something uh military base in the future at the end of the day you never know what can happen and it might end up going that way and it might not but i'm gonna stick by my decision regardless so yeah that was actually one of my life life goals at the start so that's a little fun fact that you might have not known about me uh moving on what's your worst urbex experience oh i have i've been keeping away from this one because i haven't really told the story to anyone However, I think the time is the time has come, to be honest. And my worst urbex experience, the one that's made me feel the most shit, was the Barcelona police experience extravaganza. And the story starts next to the Torre Agba. Because a well-known climber by the name of George King, the guy who climbed the Shard, and may, uh, a few of you may have uh, seen that documentary on Channel 4. And uh, in fact, he's actually... Um, agreed to be a guest on this podcast soon so hopefully you should be hearing from him soon um contacted a friend of mine and was like i'm looking for someone to basically take some photos of him doing the climb and i was in barcelona at the time and it just so happened that he was in barcelona at the same time so adam the little nuisance put me in contact with him and uh i went to go shoot this is the first time we'd met and i went to go shoot um basically him climbing this building but i knew and adam had warned me that if you were known to be the guy helping to film or take photos they're going to seize your your sd cards and stuff so i'd come prepared i'd i'd gone to take photos i met george he started doing the climb basically we'd planned it for a few days i was actually on the floor taking photos uh and we had some people on roofs nearby with a drone and oh i just this is if any regret this is this is the regret right so i'd already taken loads of sick photos of him climbing before the police had turned up but then I just thought for some stupid reason, I'd already hid my SD card. I'd literally put everything away. Like there was no way my stuff was getting seized. I just looked like a bystander and just some stupid reason. I just thought it'd be a good idea to take my camera back out and take more photos. The second that camera come out my bag, a policeman ran at me. I had panicked, run down the road. Basically, all of Barcelona police at the st- at the, the climb decided to chase me down the road. One of the ones on the moped ran me over with his moped. I'm not even joking. Literally hit me with his moped. I hit the floor with camera in hand. He then, uh, I stand up. He gets off his moped, runs over, literally sweeps my legs out from underneath me, puts me on the ground, like body slams me. Mate, this is the most I've ever had, like physically from a police officer. 
Like I was trying to, as I was doing, as he was throwing me on the ground, I was literally slipping the SD card out my camera and trying to hide it, um, which I managed to somehow get it into my pocket before so like beforehand, which was ended up being peak. But it was out the camera, and then I just like accepted it because I knew what was kind of happening. And yeah, the one other police officer got off. He must have been like sixty years old. Walked up to me on the ground. I'm not even joking. Slapped me around the face like three times. Started shouting in Spanish like and then going to English going, what the F do you think you're doing? Like, how dare you run from me? Don't run from the police. Like slapping me like, oh, mate, he was like literally kicking me and everything. Like it was a mad one. Like he was basically beating me up on the floor. But obviously I can't do nothing because he had a baton and a gun on him. And I really didn't feel like getting a baton to the shin today. So, yeah. Um, he ended up searching me for like half hour trying to find my SD card. I don't know how he didn't find it. And then just the last, last two, like 20 seconds of searching me, he just happened to feel it in my pocket. And I was just devastated, man. Like, I was just so upset about it. Like it was, it was giving the SD card or my camera was likely to be seized. So like, it was just, oh, it was devastating. I lost a month's worth of footage. All of the photos from Slovakia, Austria, um, Spain, all of the different free places in Spain, all gone because these these police officers taken it. I still haven't got it back. It's currently in Barcelona in a courthouse. And yeah, they basically laughed at me when I called to ask to have it back. And yeah, it was just, it was such a bad time, man. I, I got assaulted. I got my stuff taken off me. I lost all of those memories. It was honestly devastating. And hopefully I can go to Barcelona soon, go back to the court and see if I can actually get it back. It's, oh, it's so, it's honestly, I lost so many memories from that. Like it genuinely made me cry. Like I don't think you can understand. It was like thousands of photos of memories I'm never going to get back. So yeah, it was a pretty bad experience. And for the few days after that, I was kind of in a bad position. I felt really bad and I got a bit down about it, but at the end of the day, things happen and I made a stupid decision and I've learned from it. So, yeah, unfortunately. That Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. That's a pretty mad one. Um, next question. This is actually a really common question I get. And it is, uh, has the pandemic affected my work? And if so, how has it? And that's actually a really good question because the pandemic has affected and hasn't affected my work in a few different ways. And it's affected my work positively in that I was actually working a different job before I was doing photography and before lockdown. Um, And now I've been furloughed. So I've now got all of this free time to actually work on my photography stuff and and just like properly focus on it 100% and uh, it's benefited me massively because doing that has helped me mature in so many different ways it's helped me get more of a business mindset it's helped my content get better just because I've had all this free time to just solely work on it so yes the pandemic has affected my business in a good way however on the opposite side of the spectrum it's also affected it in a bad way because as you can imagine people in uh, covid times don't like to be out and don't like to be seeing as many people so a lot of clients that did have businesses have either gone out of business or won't work with me until lockdown's finished so in fact it's it's lost me a few clients but i've also gained probably more clients in being able to put, invest more time into it so personally the pandemic has affected me i'd say more positive than it has negative so yeah it's been really good for me and uh yeah unfortunately obviously it's not been the same for everyone and i do understand that but for me it's affected me in a positive way um in that aspect anyway um how do i get motivated to work every day is the next question and the honest answer to that is i'm not motivated to work every day and if people think that they're motivated every single day of the year to work that's a lie. There's days where I wake up and where I'm like pretty much self-employed at this point, I set my own schedule. I work when I want. I do what I want when I want. So it's really hard to be self-disciplined enough to be able to want to get up and put hard work in every day. But for me, the things that work to motivate me every day are number one, um, my family. I, I work basically my mum, like in all honesty, my mum's my biggest motivator. I want to eventually be able to buy her a house and provide her with the things that she maybe wouldn't have got once uh, in the past or give her the things that she wants in the future. And essentially I want her to retire happy. So my main motivation is to earn money so I can buy my mum her own house and basically like live a good life and, and let her have a good retirement. But that's kind of like my main deep motivation. Sorry to get all deep on you there. But in terms of like other things, um, setting schedules is really good for motivation. Like basically telling yourself, I'm going to do this amount of work this week. This day, I'm going to do that. This day, I'm going to do that. And having like a consistent schedule is really important, um, which leads on to goal setting, actually, because a good schedule can basically allow you to have good goal setting as well, because you can work your goals based around what you'll be doing. And goal setting is really important. And I've talked about it on my Instagram uh uh, what they called guides before. So I've written article, articles on that sort of thing as well. And goal setting is really important for motivation because you get little wins and you get these little achievements, which make you just want to push that a little bit further to get the next one. So set goals as well and do all of those things and be consistent and work hard and you'll be motivated. And I'd say I'm motivated 95% of the time, to be honest with you. So yeah, that's how I motivate myself. But it's really down to the person individually. It's not going to be the same for me as it is for you. Uh, moving on which do I prefer security or police and this one has cons and pros and cons sorry on either side um security the pros of getting caught by security guards are that 
number one, they don't really know the law as such. So you can blag your way out of quite a few things with security guards. Um, also, they're not police officers, so they can't really like properly detain you like a police officer can like they can they can if they think a crime's been committed they can use reasonable force to stop you committing further crime or like fleeing but they don't really know that either they're actually quite stupid i can't lie sometimes but like yeah that's just what it is what it is um but yeah security guards or we call them sgs um are yeah they're just like a mild version of the police but by another token they're actually some of them can be really fuggy like you're, it's really unpredictable what sort of security guards you'll get. Like, I've had security guards who think they're literal thugs who have, like, chased me with, like, wooden planks and, like, metal poles before saying they're going to, like, kill my family. And if I ever come back, they're going to kill me and cave my head in. I've been, like, threatened to be beaten up. I've been like, oh, mate, they've done loads of stuff. They've tried to take my camera equipment. They've tried locking me in rooms and, like beating me up and mad things like that do you know what i mean like they didn't actually beat me up and they didn't say that but like trying to get me in rooms by myself and stuff and like threatening me like security guards are really unpredictable but some are really well I've, to be fair you get some really nice security guards it's like police as well but i'd say they're actually more nice security guards than there are police officers to be honest with you like in terms of my experiences but yeah that's like the pros and cons of a security guard um the police i'd say i prefer i prefer the police because they have to abide by a law. There's black and white, well, some grey area laws, but there are black and white laws they have to normally abide by. And most of the time, they do pretty good at doing that. And in, in terms of what I do, I can explain to them what we're doing is civil and it's not a criminal matter and that they're normally pretty all right with it and they just give us a slap on the wrist and tell us to go. However, some obviously don't and they end up like using their power to to abuse me and the ones who do that they're worse than any security guard because there's nothing you can do they have the power to arrest they have the power to detain and using that power you're pretty much helpless so if it's a bad police officer i prefer security guards but if it's in general i probably prefer police yeah i think that's that's probably the best way to say it i hope that makes sense but yeah yeah definitely like that um another question how long have you been doing photography i actually didn't know the answer to that i checked on my instagram and went back to the first photo i ever posted on this account and it was in 2015 but like i think there was a few months before that when i was taking photos so yeah 2015 was roughly when i started like properly taking photos um which was what like nearly just just about six years ago now which is like yeah pretty mad six old years i think my maths yeah six old years mad pretty crazy but yeah um, next question. This one actually, like, it didn't wind me up, but it was just a question where I was just thinking, do you even follow my content? And it says, genuine question. When you do the stuff to take the piss out of security or police and then moan about the consequences that you get, where is the logic? And this question is the biggest load of shit I've ever heard. You clearly only see snippets of what I do because I talk about time and time again. And I say it on this podcast and I've said it hundreds of times. I do not dislike the police. I do not actively wind them up. The only times I've ever done things like that are when I think that they've treated me in a way that warrants that behavior. And I've always said this to people. I approach police and security guards with a good attitude and, this, and then I match the attitude they give me. So if they're rude and start being horrible to me, I'm the same way back. If they're nice and respectful, I'm nice and respectful back. I don't know how many times I have to tell people that because it does actually wind me up when people constantly say like, oh, you hate the police, you wind the police up like, and then moan about the consequences. No, I moan about when I get 
unlawfully treated when I know I haven't done something wrong. And I have the right to moan about that. And I have the right to be uh, to moan about being treated in a certain way. So yeah, in other words, just shush because you're clearly naive and you clearly don't follow my content enough or even want to respect my opinion about it and you just jump to conclusions. So educate yourself before you come at me like that, essentially. <laughs> I actually wrote down notes for this one and I just put underneath, shut up. But yeah, that's, that's a long one. But um, yeah, so this next one and... This is quite a good question as well. Uh, what would be your advice for someone who is complete opposite lifestyle to you? And they put, wastes their time playing video games, watching TV. Uh, what would your advice be to them? Number one, I think that the way you worded that isn't the best. I don't think that waste their time playing video games or watching TV is the best way to go about it. Obviously, people have different choices about what they want to do and people enjoy different things. So I, I'll reword the question a little bit to make it a little bit more fair. Um... So my advice to someone who has lived a completely opposite lifestyle and wants to change what they're doing and wants to be able to go out and do other things, that's a, that's a different question. So to answer that question uh, to someone who's actively wanting to get out of playing games or just watching TV, the best way I can describe to do it is is like a little theory, like frequency intensity. And I read this in a book once and essentially it was talking about uh, overcoming anxiety but I think it also probably comes into this as well um, and frequency intensity basically sh shows that the more you do something and the more intense the experience is the more comfortable you're going to be at doing it so in terms of coming overcoming like leaving the house and and being spontaneous and experiencing things the more you do it the more frequently you do it and to then building up the intensity of how you do it is really important. Because if you're going out more often and more often and more often, instead of it then becoming a big issue in your brain and you worried about it, it becomes second nature. It's, it's almost like riding a bike. You fall off quite a few times before you actually learn to ride it. But once you ride ride it enough and you go on longer bike rides, essentially you're going you're gonna to get better at doing it. So the best advice I could give you is just get up and start doing something, whether that just be turn off your Xbox or PS4 or like turn off whatever you're doing for a little a little bit more during the day you don't even have to leave the house to start off with and then just start building up maybe just go to the shops uh maybe then start going a little bit further start tackling like tr uh, public transport and then just build up from there like there's no pressure to just go out and explore the world from sitting on your sofa all day like it's never going to be a sustainable thing to do so yeah my advice to you guys if you want to get out of it do it but if you're happy and you're content just sitting indoors and playing games and doing all that you know what i respect your decision massively and that's that's good that you've found something that you enjoy and just keep doing it. But yeah, if you're unhappy of yourself and you want to go out and explore and do stuff, just do it. Just start it. Frequency intensity. Remember that. Because um, that's actually a bit of a controversial thing that comes up a lot, actually. Um, people always say, like, oh, yeah, but not everyone can do what you want to do. Like, not everyone wants to follow your path. So why are you preaching? And what I talk about and what I try and influence people to do isn't for the people who don't want to get out of bed and do whatever they want to do. This is for the people who want to change. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing in the first place. So, yeah, that answers that question. Just should uh, perhaps should have worded it a little bit different. Is there anyone who inspired you uh, to do what I'm doing now? But when I was a kid, sorry, I read that really wrong. Um, my inspirations as a kid, I've got a few inspirations, funnily enough, and they were actually my group of friends. When I was about 12, um, I started in parkour, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe just like end of primary school. And I went to a place called Jumpers Rebound Centre, which is a trampoline park near me. And I met these, these kids there. So I was doing some pretty hard tricks my age. And 
James Ward, Adam McKenna, um, Ben Gray, Tom Homard and Brandon Dodgen, bring up all of you, um, were all there training as well. And they were like a little group and they noticed me and I was doing some pretty hard stuff. So they come over and was like, yo, like you seem really talented. I'd love you to come out of us one day. And it was almost like being talent scouted. It was actually really nice. And I ended up meeting them and these boys are now some of my best friends, um, funnily enough. And yeah, after that, I was I was looking up to them. I was two, three years younger than most of them. And they were all like insanely better than me with what they were doing. And it was just so nice to have a group of friends who were all like actively trying to better me as a person. And they were always inspiring me to come out and do other things. Like Without them, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't be doing what I am today. Because my parkour like community is what ended up getting me out to do urbex in the first place and therefore get into photography so i owe it all to them boys to getting me for getting me out and getting me out of my comfort zone and and giving me this mindset that i have today so yeah they're all of my inspirations and they they have been forever and they probably always will be because it's just the the sheer like raw mindset that they gave me as a youngster so yeah big up all of you boys but I don't actually have any other inspirations like big inspirations in terms of like celebrities other than that i kind of like get inspired by people I respect personally a lot more than I do seeing people online. But yeah, that's basically my inspiration. So if you're listening to this, boys, I love you all. Um, Next question is another sort of friend one. And it says, who is your closest friend in the Urbex community and where did you meet? Uh, I actually have two, I'd say. Um, Tom Russell, he's been on this before, uh, on episode four, I think. And um, Charlie Allen, both are my best friends in the urbex scene and always have been. Uh, I met Tom, funnily enough. I've actually gone over these these stories in both of the podcasts before. So go listen to the previous podcast and episode four, I think it was. Um, and you can hear those stories. But yeah, I met Tom on a roof and I met Charlie climbing a roof. Uh, well, we actually like snuck into the same accommodation to sleep in one night. But yeah, go listen to the podcast before. But those are my two best friends and I love them to death. So yeah, big up yourselves. Um, the craziest thing I've ever climbed is the next question, or what is the craziest thing you've ever climbed? I would have to say, if I had to pick one definitive crazy climb, it would be the the pylon that I climbed. Um, it was 250 meters just above, and it was down in like South Kent. Um, and it was actually, it was unbelievable. It was like one ladder, 250 meters. That's like the most like taxing climb I've ever done. Like my forearms are doing up like thick they were thick forearms after that climb like that was probably one of the most physically demanding climbs and when I got to the top I was like wow this is the tallest I've ever been and uh yeah that was genuinely a crazy crazy climbing experience so without telling the whole story that is probably the craziest one I've done yeah 250 meter pylon which was uh it was unreal I actually did that with James Ward um one of the inspirations he's not even a climber he just come out and did it because I asked him to but yeah that's probably the craziest climb I've done, but I've done some pretty mad uh, cranes and stuff in my life as well. Um, moving on. Um, what age did I start taking photos and what was my worst rejection in terms of photography? And uh, thank you for Gage and Kai22 on Instagram for asking this question. And the answer is obviously 2015, same as before, but I wanted to answer this one in particular because of the worst rejection part. And to answer that, I've there's no rejection is worse rejection for me. Rejection is something that is just happens to everyone. Being a photographer, I get rejected all the time by companies. I probably get rejected more than I than I close clients, and that's the the hard truth of it. Like any business model, you get rejected more than you probably make in terms of clients. It's just it's the way the world works. Um, and yeah, I think that 
I wanted to answer this because I just want to tell you guys and show you guys a rejection isn't a bad thing. You're going to go through potentially 100 clients before you even close one. And that's just the hard truth. And that's why the creative industry and most industries are, are really hard in general anyway, because it's not easy to close clients and you're not going to close every client that you get. So if you're feeling bad because you're getting rejected, don't be because... I get rejected all the time. It literally happens every single day. So just become desensitized to it and stop thinking that rejection is such a negative thing because it's not. Um, right, what's my camera setup is the next question. And Tom Cannon Photography, thank you for asking me this one. My camera is a Sony a7R2. Um, I'm just currently in the midst of upgrading to an a7 III. And the lenses that I use are a Sigma 35mm 1.4 uh, and a 16-35 Sony Zeiss f4 lens as well. And one's wide and a little bit more zoomed. One's uh, a prime lens. So basically, it's a six setup. It's got the perfect combination between wide and cropped. So yeah, I really like it. The camera I had before that was a Sony A6000 with a 12mm Samyang lens. And that was an amazing setup if you're looking for a cheaper cheaper setup. So yeah, if you're looking for a new camera or you want either of those two, go have a look because they're really good. They are really good. Um, moving on. Ooh, uh, if I could change one thing that's happened, what would I change? Uh, and AJ, young AJ, has asked that question. And to answer that, I don't have many regrets in life. I don't think that regretting things is something that you should do. However, if I had to think of one thing that I might have tweaked looking back, I wouldn't have gone to sixth form. And that is because it would have given me a two-year head start to get out networking, to get out working on skills, and to get out doing more things towards the future and business, rather than focusing on an education that I'm now not going to need. So if I had to say anything or something I'd change, it's not a regret, because I loved uh, every every year of it, and I really did meet and like nurture good relationships with people. However, I would have got a head start on my business if I had the chance. So thank you, AJ, for that. Um, Holly's Photography, thank you for asking this question. And you asked, what are my 2021 goals? So this is a slightly closer goal um, range, I guess. And the answer to it is, in short, money, travel, mature and better myself, foundations for long-term success and network. All of these things are basically the way of me building foundations to then have a successful business or businesses in the future. I don't think that I want to rush myself into starting an official business with an official business plan just yet because I think that I could work on myself a little bit more and I think that I could work on my network a little bit more because I don't want to make any big rash decisions and then end up finding someone who's better for a certain task or job in the future. So yeah, for 2021, I want to make more money. I want to be completely like self-sufficient in content creation and I want to like build my online profile as well. So those are all little goals that I have, but I've written them all down, but they're the general ones. Uh, so thank you, Holly, for that. Um, and you also asked, Holly, why did I start my photography account? I actually started my photography account because being a young person doing something like Urbex, you want to show people, like you want to show people what you're up to. And it was something that I was quite proud of. And I wanted to show people of like the skills I was developing and what I was doing in my life. So yeah, it's the same reason it is now. I like to show people what, what you can be doing and, and promoting like a good mindset towards life. So yeah, it's always been kind of my philosophy. Uh, so thank you for that one as well. Someone asked, oh, it's not even someone, it's Jake Visuals on Instagram asked, how did you get an income through Urbex? And the answer to that is I didn't and I don't have an income through Urbex. Urbex isn't what I earn money through, photography is. Um, I think that earning an income solely through Urbex is next to impossible. Like It's possible, don't get me wrong. However, it's very uncommon. Urbex in itself isn't something that's widely respected as a sport or a, or like an official hobby sort of thing. 
uh not like an official hobby but like something that's like widely recognized as good it's actually got quite a bad reputation in the media and amongst quite a lot of people um hence some of the questions i get asked so earning money through it it's not really a big platform that companies want to invest their time and effort into to be honest because it's not something that's like massively looked highly upon so it's not a good marketing strategy so urbex has helped me to gain an income through developing my skills in photography and locations and all that sort of stuff but it hasn't directly given me an income and for most people it doesn't give them income and it won't for a long time unless it people change their opinion of it and it won't happen because it's got such a stigma around it with the whole police and uh being against the community and stuff so yeah i don't earn money through urbex um i earn money through photography that is a hard truth that a lot of urbexes do need to know um jake visuals also asked tips for growing your page and um keeping consistent on instagram and youtube and this one's actually a good question and i'd love to do a whole podcast on this one day but in general keeping quality content so putting out constant good quality content not slipping by your standards just because you think you need to post actually posting meaningful good content on your page that people like to see is really important for growth on instagram so that's one thing um and also you need to be doing that as frequently as physically possible instagram and youtube well instagram specifically has an algorithm where they want you to spend as much time on their app as they can. So posting every single day obviously gets your account to grow more. So if you can post every day, every two days, every three days, that's good. Even if it's once a week, that's good. Like just try as as best you can to put out content as frequently and as high quality as possible. Um, Also, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is showing personality is really important. Actually having a bit of a persona around your account is, is a big thing. People don't like to go on an account and just see absolute blank content. They like to see who the person who's creating it and why they should be going for you. So if you can show your personality and you're confident enough to go on camera and talk and all that sort of thing, be yourself and just show your personality because it will be your biggest asset in the future. Um, One other thing I'd say is follow the algorithm try and do some research into what the algorithm is that sort of like time of year and just basically base your content plan around that so those are some basic ideas but i might do another podcast on on all of it but if i gave you all of the ideas and tips i'd be giving up my job basically so uh yeah there's just a couple of things so yeah just just go with that um right next question someone said Okay, the Urbex community break the law from time to time. What's your opinion on Urbex versus the law? And it was one dot MAGE5, so image with a one, but with a dot after the one. Um, That's a good question, actually. And in terms of my opinion about the law versus Urbex, it depends how you're practicing Urbex. If you're one of those people who go out to cause massive issues and try and cause damage and, and loss to the community, then you know what the law can swallow you up whole and take you because it's not what i think should be doing whatsoever my mindset towards urbex is do the climb do the exploration and take photos and leave and don't cause any disruption as much as you can obviously that doesn't go to plan but don't break anything don't take anything don't essentially don't do anything that's going to cause someone an issue and that's kind of what it is it's almost like the countryside code it's like leave only leave only footprints take only photos but in this case don't leave footprints because you don't want to bait yourself out but yeah basically getting up getting down having the photos to show it and not getting caught is like a really good thing to aspire to and i tell you what i do have an online idol or i did and it was actually nightscape back in the day and it's funnily actually because he's he's my friend now um 
and we've been on a few trips and stuff together. But when I was first into Urbex, I thought that he had a really good mindset towards things. He wasn't really bait. He wasn't like trying to do it for attention like other YouTubers have been and have done in the past. And he was promoting a really good mindset attitude. So yeah, he was kind of an idol to me back in the day. Um, and now he's my friend. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. So don't, don't give up on your dreams, guys. <laughs> so yeah, um, in general, I think the law is... It's, they're doing what they're doing to people who deserve it. And if you're an urbexer who's, who's naughty and does all that, you deserve it. But in terms of the, the people who are just trying to do it as a hobby and, and are really trying to do it for a good thing, obviously it's not nice to be caught by the police and stuff, but it happens and that's part of the hobby and I can't help that. And yeah, some people don't agree with it, but if you don't agree with it, don't listen or watch my content at the end of the day. So yeah, essentially that was quite a good question. Um, you also asked, ever tried rock climbing, paragliding or diving and... Uh, where's next for a successful urbexer? Thank you so much for calling me a successful urbexer. I appreciate it. Um, I've done rock climbing for the last two years. I love rock climbing. I love bouldering. And I do want to progress it out further into other countries and stuff as well. Uh, so when climbing walls open again, I will be doing that. Uh, paragliding, I've never done, but I've been skydiving. I'd love to go paragliding. Another thing that will be on the bucket list. Diving, again, another thing I'd love to do. Uh, Adam, the little nuisance, is actually out doing a diving course at the minute and he said that he can take me on some free dives when I go out there. So, yeah, diving will be definitely something I want to do. Um, but, yeah, basically what's next is live, keep living. I haven't exactly done... I've only scraped the surface of what I want to do, so I've just got to keep living, essentially. Oh, Harry Kirkwood asked, what's one thing I'd say to 10-year-old Housie? And I guess go get them buddy basically like that's what i tell myself go out don't let people's opinions affect you stick to yourself or stick by yourself sorry not to yourself and be true to who you are because growing up in quite a rough school it was hard to do that sometimes and it's hard to be someone who wants to stick to what they're doing and and i was into urbex and climbing and parkour from a young age and not everyone always agreed with it or thought it was cool so yeah i just had to keep sticking by it and keep pushing through and i did that but at the same time, I did care about what people thought. So, yeah, if I could go back and tell myself, just start earlier about not caring what people think as much. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and I've just got a couple a couple last questions. So we'll be wrapping it up soon. Um, how do you find locations? Thanks, X Minimia X for that one. Uh, that's a good question. And if I told everyone that, everyone would be a sick urbexer. But a general rule of thumb is talking to people who have done stuff. Uh, looking online, researching places and just going to big places and looking up is always a good one, like looking at buildings. But obviously do your research as well because you don't want to be doing stupid stuff. Um, but yeah, basically that's that's pretty much it. Online research, talking to people. And when you get this far in the, the scene, you sort of like just know locations. You kind of just like build up like a portfolio of locations. Um, and I'll just leave this on the last question. This is quite a simple question, actually. It's quite a nice one to finish off, finish off on. Um, would I choose freezing cold or burning hot weather? And it's actually a weird one because if it was like the extremes, I would prefer cold because I could deal with it better. However, if I could choose between summer and winter, I'd choose summer for sure. Um, I just think that burning hot is like, it just produces so many issues. Like it's hard to even be out the house when it's burning hot and being able to do like sport and travel is hard when you're going to be sweating and getting heat stroke. Whereas being cold, at least you can wrap up and bring the correct supplies and, and flourish in that. So yeah, I'll do that. But 
that would pretty much conclude the last of the questions for this podcast thank you guys so much for listening and i hope this has been sort of insight for you guys to sort of hear into my mind a little bit more and i know this is very last minute and very unorganized but i hope you enjoyed it anyway and thank you to everyone who submitted uh questions today um if you do have any further questions you can contact me on my social medias my instagram is at housey.underscore uh, that's at h-o-w-e-s-y dot underscore and my youtube is housey spelt the same way you can find all of my other social medias through there thank you so much for listening please go and share this please go and rate this and, and write a little review if you can because it really does help me out and if you want to donate i have the link in the bio as well i'm going to stop waffling now have a great evening and i'll catch you all soon thank you so much as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.